0: Well, good evening and good morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. Welcome back. I'm your host, James, alongside my co-host, Sean, and potentially Kyle. He may still be rewriting his report card from Tuesday's night's episode. But regardless, as promised, we're shining the spotlight on the biggest overachievers in the Premier League this season, second place Aston Villa. So join us as we dissect Villa's remarkable journey, from the relegation candidates when Unai Emery took over last year to a shocking title charge just over 14 months later. What's the secret behind their success? What can we expect from the villains in the second half of the season beyond? And here's the cherry on top. We have a special guest tonight, my friend and passion Aston Villa fan, Logan Wolf. We will be in the studio sharing this unique perspective on the beautiful game, so get ready to dive into this episode filled with insights, laughs, and plenty of Villa pride. I got to say, it's it's going to be one of the most in, intense episodes just because of how exciting it is. We've had a big build-up to the episode. We had the report card last week. We're ready to go. But, you know, further without further ado, Logan, as a semi-fan of the U, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the cast, my friend. If I knew we were going to have such a beautiful relationship and friendships when we were watching the Key West Sunset together at Chase's Bachelor Party, talking about the EPL, AC Milan, and just pure footy. By the way, Sean, I really should introduce you to our boy Chase Logan. And I would totally agree <laughs> that he is a top-notch lad. But Logan, one thing I would not have ever expected was for you to be this happy during the season once you introduced yourself as a villain fan back then. So, Logan, welcome, man. How are we feeling tonight?
1: Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. Longtime fan of the pod. We're uh, we're feeling great. How can you not? You know, we're uh, second in the table, second in points in twenty twenty three. Hoping to do the same in 2024 with a little kick-up to first. And uh, there's not much more you can ask for at this point in the season. Dude, Villa
0: has been in almost as good form as your your flow. It, every time I see you, it just gets better and better. We're looking like Grealish out here. I'm I'm just excited <laughs> overall, bro. And then how can you not be happy? It's been fantastic for you. You know, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit why you're a villain fan, when you became a fan of of, you know, the EPL and... And one really quick note for everyone out here, it's not only a special episode because Logan Wolf is on, but it is also our 365-day anniversary. It's been a full year of footy talk with the gents. I didn't think uh, a couple years ago, if you asked me what I'd be doing for a full year, I'd be making a podcast with a couple great guys and spreading the love of football. So 365 days, over 3,250 downloads. We're feeling ourselves tonight, man. That's for sure. And Logan, glad (laughs) to share it with you.
1: No, of course. Um, no, congratulations, to you guys. One year is uh, one trip around the sun doing the pod is awesome, but uh, no. So I, uh, <clears throat> I've been a, a footy lad all my life. You know, played from kindergarten kickers all the way up to uh, the uh, you know I am all star team and uh, at the U. So I've uh, been you know in the soccer game for a while and uh, really picked it back up as soon as you could finally watch it that wasn't on the black market. You know, NBC finally started showing the prim, <laughs> showing the Prem on a regular channel, which was nice, and uh, and so um, found myself, uh, you know, leaning towards Syria. Uh, I really got back into it following AC Milan and uh, Ibra, you know, bringing us to uh, to glory again. But then I realized, <laughs> how can you be a footy fan and not of a Prem team? Got to have a Prem team? Yep. team. Oh Just yeah. Just around that same time, found myself with a headline on my phone, Stevie G gets hired, Aston Villa, bringing him back, mid-table team for years. Well, Finally, we had, we had finally gotten promoted, Jackie Grealish, thank God. He is the God. Um, But found myself, <laughs> found myself rooting for Stevie G again. We signed Coutinho. We're a fucking wagon, right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I I came into it, we were probably 13 14th in the table. I was just hoping to be, you know, keep a mid-table team. You know, Aston Villa... Big, big club. We got ton we have the money, you know, we just needed to spend it somewhere. Um, so was just happy to be mid table, stay there for a little bit, you know, like so crystal palace around us. I will say I'm a big palace guy, but um, you know, it's been a an absolute ride the past, you know, year and a half. You know, great time having Unai. We'll get into that a little bit, but uh it's been a it's been a roller coaster, but a fun one.
0: Yeah, dude. The the lows only make the highs feel so much better. I know we can all relate to that. Liverpool obviously has been on the top of the pedestal their entirety of their their life. I certainly came into the fandom of Arsenal at a low point. And, a, you know, feeling kind of what you feel this season, last season, is is a thrill. It definitely doesn't do the heart any no. good or any personal relationships out there. But it so definitely not. fucking makes for good entertainment. <laughs> well, Logan, again, man, stoked to have you. Glad you can join Sean and I. Thank, um, thank you. As you know, and as everyone knows, we we start our episodes out with some hot news. Uh, we had some exciting games happening midweek this week, some semifinals, and since Liverpool is you know favored and still in it, and we have a Liverpool Especiato on the on the podcast, Sean brother, why don't you take it away for the beginning of the hot news here, and we can dive
2: into some transfers in a moment. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you making up an, an a word just there because especcionado is definitely not aficionado. One of them.
0: We were waiting. We had the JMO out here. I told you. Low, low carb in me. One or two glasses,
2: and you're going to get some slurs tonight. I love it, though. No, you're very creative. Um, But <laughs> Middles- Middlesbrough beat Chelsea at Riverside Stadium, which was obviously the shocking result from the-, the Carabao Cup semifinal. 21-year-old Hayden Hackney scored the only goal in that game to take a one-goal lead into Stanford Bridge for the second leg. The first time Chelsea's lost to a lower div- lower side division since 1999, so it's been a while. Uh, is, is something you can say, quarter of a century. And then uh, Liverpool beat Fulham yesterday two to one off goals from Jones and Gakpo. Uh, we're not gonna spend too much time on it. The second leg of both fixtures is in two weeks, so uh, you know we'll, we'll update you guys then. But I know nobody really takes the Carabao Cup 2-2 seriously, so uh, we won't spend too much more time on it and just hop right into. Some very, very exciting news from Tottenham over the last, you know, 48, 72 hours. Yeah. I
0: mean, we were going to have a transfer window segment here anyway, but to be honest with you, we changed the title because it's really just the Tottenham transfer window business. They have, again, early on decided to become the front runners on what is going to be another successful transfer window for them. The summer was probably the best that they've had in such a long time, Um, you know, I highly recommend it. Sean and I were talking about it before, but if you have not listened to our Party Like It's 1999 episode, we pretty much predicted everything that Spurs did. I mean, I'm pretty sure Daniel Levy was inside of our apartments at the time of recording because it's spot on. You definitely got to give that one a listen, but, you know, I'll be the last person to, to put my hat off for Tottenham Hotspur just because of my blood, but. The hats are coming off, man. This is fantastic. And they start early on again with the signing or the loan signing of Timo Werner. He comes back from his spell over back at RB Lexic back in the Bundesliga after winning the Champions League with Chelsea heading over there. So he comes back, and he's the third player from that Champions League Chelsea team to come and play for a London rival mm-hmm. now. So we'll see what we got here. Spurs certainly needed some backup with the likes of Son gone uh, at the Asian Cup for the immediate time being but just having another option there with rotation of Richarlson is a huge amount of depth that they can add. I know having a loan gives you some financial st- uh, stability and it's not a bad option for him. So he can contribute to the Spurs very much like son does an option on the left side or through the middle with his pace. He's got a great work rate when he feels like it. And, you know, he's very versatile and valuable to these guys who need that depth. So Werner, I'm, I'm excited to see him back in here. I think he got a bad rep at Chelsea, just like a lot of the guys and, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm looking forward to a resurgent for a couple of these guys now because I'm a Havertz fan, but I think Timo has some skill sets that hasn't been fully tapped into in the English Premier League just yet. Someone that's a little bit further away from home that is a bit new probably to a good majority of us. I knew he was a little bit new to me, but Sean, their next signing, and this is a full-time signing for 30 million euros. Who we have?
2: Yeah, it's Radu Dragason. Um, he's a Romanian 21-year-old center half, and if you Watch Spurs in the last two or three months. You know how badly they've needed that between Romero and Van de Ven getting injured. Romero coming back, getting suspended, then getting injured again. Just pretty standard Christian Romero stuff, to be honest. Um, But obviously, they really needed um, some depth back there. This guy is a mountain in the air. Um, He stands out for his aerial ability. Six goals in the last two years, all via the head. Third most aerial duels won in Syria, and he's in the 85th percentile in the top five leagues in Europe for uh, aerial duel one percentage, um, and it just kind of continues a trend from from the days of Fabio Paratici as the director of football for Spurs. Um, he's still uh, an advisor to the to the new director of football or, or to the club for their transfer business. A lot of guys from Syria, obviously Romero, Rodrigo Bentancor, Kulusevski, Udogi, Vicario, and now. Dragosin becomes the next one in, the, in that long line of guys. Um, other thing, just note on this deal is that Jed Spence heads to, to Genoa on loan in uh, the other, to, you know, the, going the other way to make the deal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how quickly Dragosin comes in. I think Van Devin's still working his way back from injury, but just really adds to a really exciting young core that Tottenham's been building for the last, you know, twelve months.
0: Yeah. You know, while we have a, a, a Serie A fan and lover on the line, which we normally don't, well, first, I think we got to give Luigi a shout out because I believe he changed it, the name of Tottenham Hotspurs to Serie A Spurs, which <laughs> is starting to become relatively true here. But Logan, what can we expect from this guy? What 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 is it like playing against him? And do you think he's going to fit in well in the English Premier League style? So
1: the guy's an absolute unit. You know, I've, I... I love going to games playing against Genoa. Um, you know, they don't, they don't scare me too often, but when you do get a guy like, uh, like Radu out there, I mean, you know, Giroud does not like playing against him. Layout does not like being his, uh, his outside back to get by him. So, um, I think that is, this is a great pickup, especially beating out Byron for him. Um, definitely a weird situation there. I'm not really sure what, uh, what his agent was thinking. Uh, but, uh, they, <laughs> they definitely got a, they've got a, a good man in the ranks here. And I, I think with the, uh, with the history of Syria Syria transfers to Tottenham, I think it's going to work out. Right.
0: Well, maybe the Bayern agents were thinking a little bit different direction. I think maybe it was Thomas Tuchel-oriented Tuchel, a little bit more, and it segues nicely into the next player who is now leaving Spurs. So as, as much as they have coming in, we have another gentleman leaving, and that's Eric Dyer. We've kind of predicted it. In the past couple episodes throughout the season, that this is someone who is not in Ange Pastakoglu's plans at all. He's only started in one of four appearances in the entirety of the season so far across all comps. He leaves Spurs, just like Kane, completely trophyless. He had five stints in the Champions League and four in Europa, which you know is still great competition. But Eric Dyer's time at a 29 year old who joined the team for five euros from Sporting CP back in 2014 has come to an end. He joins Bayern Munich with his pal Harry Kane, which probably was a large portion of his move to it. You know, Bayern Munich also are lacking their main center back due to his time at the Asian Cup in Min Jae Kim, who has had an exceptional season there and previous year. So I think it's a couple of reasons why Eric Dyer is going there, but mainly it's a move for Dyer to, to get back onto the soccer pitch. And, you know, as much as they think they it was about a $4 million or $3 million transfer for Bayern Munich, Spurs didn't spend much on them in the beginning, got good use out of them, and now it's time for the next one. But one guy who we'll talk about, and it's Brighton's next big signing, supposedly the coming of the next guy, is a Valentin Barco. So, Sean, why don't you take us a little bit through that and the time that he's going to have at, at Brighton.
2: Yeah, so this guy's really exciting. He was uh, on the... Uh, world 50, top 50 prospects in the world, released in 2021. Um, he's a left back slash left midfielder, really good on the ball, <clears throat> has the ability kind of like a, a Zinchenko where he couldn't invert and get into midfield and still pull the strings a little bit. And, you know, we talked about obviously how Spurs has now had an Italian emphasis. We know how good Brighton is in scouting South America. Moises Caicedo, Alexis McAllister, who came from the same club at Boca Juniors, and CeSo and Barco seems like the next guy up. Um, I would not be surprised to see this kid take off. Maybe, obviously, going to take some time to adjust to the game, adjust to the language, all of that. But, um, you know, starting next season, I would expect him to be one of the, you know, best players at Brighton. Seriously, I think this kid's potential is insane. Chelsea will probably be putting a 70 million bid on him in, in no time. <laughs> um, but just one, one note before we get into the good stuff. Purvis of Stupignan, maybe potentially that he is going to be made available this summer. Like that, this might be them kind of doing succession planning, which they hadn't done last year when McAllister and Caicedo left, and they, they've kind of been caught with their pants down at times. I think this is kind of a move to be, you know, preemptive there and, and prevent prevent that from happening and having no depth. Barco seems like a guy who could take over a Stupignan long term.
0: Yeah. I mean, as you can imagine, I'm sure Brighton wants to cash out on that. That cash cow, too, while he's still available, he has gone through a couple injuries this season, too. So even if it's a transition season next year or the following, there's still going to be some some high price tags on a lot of their players. Talking about high price tags, I think Villa is is someone who is able to do a lot of work now because of Logan. You dropped the bomb before about Jack Grealish. You're probably still reaping the benefits of him. But like Sean said, the body of this episode and the success of this episode totally lies on your shoulders, Logan. Love it. And it's, uh, it. And it's Aston Villa Spotlight. time, man. So not to put you on the spot, but obviously you have seen none of the questions we just are about to ask you. So I'm, I'm sure that you came absolutely not prepared, but being the Boy, knowledgeable yeah. man you are, let's pop into these, man. So the first question that we have for you, and it, it kind of plays off of how you became the Aston Villa fan what were your expectations coming into the season? And do you feel that Villa can win the title this season?
1: I mean, I, I absolutely think we have a shot. You know, I, I, I would say if we don't win the title this season, I will be rather depressed. I'll be sad about it. Um, You know, we've come, we've come so far and you know, to come to to be second place, you know, at the, at the halfway mark is, is quite the achievement. Um, Especially from where we were at the middle of last year, you know, Solid, solidly in 12th place. Unai picks up the uh, picks up the helm and, you know, brings in a couple of his guys um, from uh, from La Liga. You know, we got Alberto Moreno in, in January last year, um, picked up how Torres in the summer. And so to see him, you know, pick up where Stevie G kind of left us in no man's land. I mean, I think it's been an incredible ride. Um, and so to, uh, I think it's been a, we are in a great spot getting into the conference league. Um, anything higher than that, I would have been too invested. I would have wanted the Europa League. I would have wanted Champions League. <laughs> but now I think we're you know we're fully focused on the Prem. I don't give a shit about the FA Cup. I don't give a shit about the Carabao Cup. Uh, and I really don't really care about the Conference League, although I love watching the Conference League. If, no, if you're not watching it, you better get on the train. It's phenomenal football. Um, but in any case, do I think we're going to win? Yes, I have to say that. I do think we're going to win. If I'm being a realist, when have we ever discounted Man City? They could be yeah. in nineteenth at this point of the season. They're still going to win out, um, and so you know to that extent, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but expectation wise, i where I'm. Couldn't be happier. You know, we're as it stands, we're playing Champions League ball next year, and there's not much more you can ask for.
0: Yeah, I I think we owe a lot of the intenseness to the season to Villa and coming in as a bit of a dark horse, really throwing a lot of wrenches in a lot of the games against the top teams. I'll give you a little word of advice from someone who went through a bit of an emotional coaster last year. Don't get too close to the sun there, my friend, because it fucking (laughs) burns, bro. It burns (laughs) heavy. Uh, But I mean, it's great. And at the beginning of the season, I kind of forecasted Villa being the new Brighton, being someone that we can really get behind. I definitely did not predict them to be this great. So it's very it's very fun watching them play, Sean. What else have you got for Logan? Are we done? Are we done today? Is that it? No, no. I just
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just talked about him um a second ago, and I just I guess obviously Emery you know is a big part of it. But how do you think Villa got to this position so quickly? Um, is it is it all down to Emery and what you know what the changes that he's made, or, or have there's been guys that really made strides you know from the time when Gerard was here?
1: I think a lot, I mean, you got to give a lot of it to And I, I mean, the, the core of the team is relatively the same. We've got, you know, we've got a couple key guys that we'll, we'll get into, but um, through the transfer market. But in any case, I mean, the, the core has been what it was when Stevie G was here. You know, Esri Conza, Emmy, Matty Cash, Jacob Ramsey, McGinn, uh Douglas Louise, who's on the hot seat these days, uh, Ollie Watkins. You know, it's the same core. We've got a couple of flashy guys that we've added, but... I think the main difference has to be has to be Unai and, and bringing his you know his experiences from a, from the Gunner days and from La Liga and, and just implementing it now. Um you know absolutely turned around last season. Uh, you cannot argue with the performances that we've had in 2023. Second, again, like I said, second most points. Um I mean that's an absolute that's a haul. So I I would be remiss to say that it was any one player that that made the difference like this. I mean Unai Unai gets the uh, the award for that.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're spot on, man. If if you look at and we've we've flagged it a few times, this is Emery's return to the Premier League. He gave it a run at at Arsenal. Probably didn't get enough funds. Did not have the core like you let rattled off, which is a it's a great shout. You guys had great players. You just needed someone to drag it out of them. Mm-hmm. I think Unai has done a phenomenal job on that. But with all these names that you're throwing out there and that core. Villa's really elevated their game and their game plan for the entire of the season with those flashy with those flashy you know transfers and those players now. So, with that being said, the summer transfer window was pretty successful. You guys, I think it was maybe third or fourth, maybe even a close second best out of the season. What signings from the summer or player in general has impressed you the most during the season so far? And who do you think you know still needs a little bit of time to reach that potential that Unai can probably get out of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the obvious answer would be Pau Torres. Obviously, we needed a lot of help at center back, um, and he's brought exactly what we needed. Um, but I think my, my biggest surprise to the upside has been Diaby. I'm always nervous about signing guys out of Bundesliga. You know, a lot of the time it doesn't translate. You know, they can have great seasons over there, and sometimes it doesn't, uh, it doesn't always pan out. But I think he's done a great job. I was also worried with the fact that him and Leon Bailey are rather similar. They play in the same spaces. Um, but I think that Diaby's definitely morphed into a more of a, you know, a, a nine ish type guy rather than a winger. Um, you know, he can still definitely play out wide and definitely works the ball from out there. But I think him and Leon have definitely formed a partnership that's formidable. Um, yeah, and he's obviously, yeah. he's obviously complimented the man, the myth, Ollie Watkins, so well. I mean, the guy's got nine and nine uh, in, t- in just about 20 games this season. And uh, I think his his emergence has also been a great you know great part of this season, um, and not only for him, but I think he's brought up every other player. He's become that that point man um, that we have confidence in and that we can play through. We didn't really have that last year, um, even though we you know goals were coming from every which way, but there was never one in particular source. I think it's nice that Ali's taken that over, um, and I think that it's it's worked well for him. It's worked well for Diaby. All the midfielders are definitely a lot more confident knowing that he's up there, and uh, and I think that you know as a as a group of players they just they've all meshed so well. You know sometimes when you bring in when you bring in new guys from different systems it can take a while to uh, to pull it all together, but with the with the additions and with Unai at the top, I mean it's it's just been magic really. Sean,
0: what a what player for you would you want to highlight here? And and all great points, Logan. For me, I think you nailed it with with Diaby coming in. He's almost made Bailey a better player probably because now they are competing for that same space. For you know, sure. Diaby almost came in flawlessly and took that away from Bayley and Bayley said, fuck that shit. We're running <laughs> it back. But I know Sean, you and I had a little differences on who are, are probably our, our number one performer for Villa this season was in our halfway hopes and horrors episode. What do you got for Villa, my friend?
2: Yeah. Excuse me. Absolutely. Um, I think the, the thing the, or the guy who stands out to me is Douglas Louise. Obviously he's really stepped up his game. But I, I actually want to ask you about Esri Kansa because I think um, w- when Tyrone Mings went down, it was a huge loss, right, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of leadership. But I feel like Kansa has absolutely stepped into that and just kind of what can you say about the player that he's kind of blossomed into
1: over the course of the last, you know, six months? No, you've nailed it. I mean, the not only has Ali Watkins improved immensely, but I think Esri Kansa is 100% coming to his own. I don't think that happens if Tyrone's healthy. You know, it was – Obviously, a horrible loss and a horrible injury to see right out the gate. Um, but the fact that he's not, you know, he's not holding down the fort in the back. How Torres kind of, you know, had obviously a little bit of time to uh, to work into the system. Diego Carlos obviously also had to work himself back in after his injury last year. So Esri was most certainly, obviously, after after Tyrone, the most, you know, seasoned guy on the team. Um, and he's just absolutely taken that position and, and run with it. You know, we've been playing him on the on the outside a little bit because of injuries and suspension. Um, but similar to kind of like a Ben White, I mean, he's taken he's taken that role quite quite well. Um, and to see him, and you know, be uh, like you said, blossom into the player that he's been this season. I mean, we couldn't have lucked out any better. I mean, I'm just happy that we're not playing Lanier every fucking game. So so we definitely, <laughs> we, we definitely needed him to uh, to step up, and he's definitely done that. So happy to see uh, his performances out there as well.
0: Yeah, you, Like you said, you have a lot of impressive core. And that center back position, you mentioned already, Carlos, he had, uh, I believe was the Achilles last season that kept him out for the whole entirety of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of highlighted him in the preseason that he'd be back and now really was needed because of the Tyrone Ming's injury. 100%. But, you know, on the first game against Newcastle, which you guys looked phenomenal. I know we talked about it briefly before, getting smacked by them, but I don't think you could look better letting up five goals than what you guys did in that game. I mean, it was... I, I remember where I was when I watched it. I was like, this just doesn't seem right. This isn't fair.
1: No, but, I totally agree. I mean, that that game was... Uh... Cheeks were clapped. As as they say. <laughs> cheeks were clapped. <laughs> cheeks were clapped. And so, you know, I I uh it was un, it was an unfortunate start to the season. I thought that, you know, I had I had done my own my own preview in my head and I thought that was gonna be a uh you know a Champions League spot, fight for the for fourth, you know, from the start. And it was five, you know, five one before Blake and I. And you know, Harvey Barnes comes in fresh off the bench and he's just blown by everyone. we you know, we looked like a shallow team by the end of it. Um, I thought the first half of that game, we, you know, we looked good. We had a great start, but you know, when you're, when you're, I guess, past captain goes down like that and you're just, you're just out, all out of sorts, a couple new guys still trying to get used to everything. I think, uh, you know, it couldn't have been a worse start, but as you know, as you said, we, we, we kind of looked good. You know, we looked good on the screen on, on paper. We looked horrible. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the turnaround has been spectacular. It's been uh,
0: it's been awesome to see. Absolutely. So, with that being said, like you had a great transfer window over the summer. We're probably not expecting a lot happening over the winter. There's been a lot of buzz around, in particular, player specifically. And and Sean, you alluded to it before with Douglas Luiz. But over the longevity of what you guys want to accomplish and how you want to establish yourself as now part of this big six, we'll call it maybe take Newcastle's place of what they were last season. What signings or changes to the squad are really needed to take that to the next level? Do you think there's a need to sell anyone, to bring in some profit, to help a little bit more of restructuring? You know, what do you see if you were Unai and you were your sporting director? Tell us how you would plan it.
1: No, of course. I mean, for me, I don't think money's, you know, money's not, shouldn't be a problem this year. Um, You know, I think this is, this is, we're in a great position to go all in. Um, If anything, I think we should be buyers at the, you know, in this, in this window here. Um, and that, that one position that we're, I think that we're lacking is, is a pure 10. And a lot of teams are, I mean, the, the pure 10 has kind of, uh, been revitalized in in the past couple of years. And if a team does have one, they're for sure going to, you know, they're going to morph their formation around them. Um, and rightfully so we just don't have that right now. You know, we're playing John McGinn at a, at a cam position, Jacob Ramsey at a cam position, but these guys are eights, they're box to box eights, you know, they're, they're hustle guys, but they're not creative tens. Right. And I think that we need a little bit of creativity coming from there. You know, Diaby does. You know, he does step into that space. But I think that we need someone. I wish, you know, I wish Coutinho was still was still playing at the levels that he used to. But we still need someone to step into that. Uh, you know, the false nine area, the ten area, and and really, you know, create some offense on a consistent basis, um, rather than you know having uh, Douglas Luiz and and Kamara and and um, again, playing so deep and trying to you know funnel the ball out wide. Um, but from from that aspect, I mean, there's a couple guys out there that I'd love to see us, you know, getting conversations with. I don't think there's any links at this point, but you know, I'd love to see Daibala. I'm obviously Syria uh, biased out there, yeah. but I think he's got like a 13 million euro release clause that just got act- that that just uh just came to market. So would love to see that. We've already got Saniolo on the on the squad. He hasn't turned out to be much yet, but he's still young. Uh, he's obviously injury prone, but you know, he's been working himself into the squad. Little La Liga taste. Fakir, Nabil Fakir would be a great addition. You know, having uh, you know, having Unai loving his La Liga guys, and it's turning out to be you know our best signings are from there. So, um, that'd be a great buy. And I've also always been a fan of Koksu. I know he just went to Benfica uh, over the summer, but that guy's a creative little man. Uh, one of the youngest captains ever for Feyenoord last year, and so, I mean, if we if we picked up a young guy like that for a ten, I mean, you can't you can't ask for much more than that. Um. But uh, I think in terms of additions that's exactly where we need to be looking obviously we have we're a little light on the uh, on the backup nine Ollie's pulling a lot of the weight there you know yep. it'd be nice to see uh nice to see a, a buy for the backup nine but it's uh, I think that the 10 is a little bit more important at this point you want Eddie I'll give you Eddie <laughs> I, w- I would take oh. Eddie Harvey, brother come on <laughs> Eddie's a monster
0: yeah no I like him i will I want the funds a little bit more than I want Eddie but you can have him. but we'll give one we'll give guy you what speaks. you need <laughs> One guy that I, I kind of am curious what do you what you think about him, and he's kind of in that center mid, center attacking mid role. He can be creative. I think he, you know, was a little bit overshadowed over at Leicester from a James Madison perspective, but came in during the summer on a free transfer. You already tell him what I mean. He still has been tapped. He's twenty six year old, maybe coming to the the taller, taller end of his career, mm-hmm. but he's got experience. He's been shown on the Belgian national team. This could be a little tran, you know, transitional guy for you. He's been injury prone this season, but what's your thoughts and feelings on what I thought was a great free transfer?
1: Great bit of business. It was at the time a great bit of business. I mean, this guy was a 50-60 million dollar man at some points and uh, you know, and, and Lester kept him kept him on the squad, but obviously hasn't turned out to what we wanted. You know, he can he can play as a deep line playmaker, he can get forward, he's creative, he's he's calling the ball, he can he can really control the game um from you know, really, wherever he is on the pitch, but just hasn't hasn't shown it. You know, he had yeah. every time he's out there. I mean, it's just it's a dead product. Uh, he, he just he's just a dud. That's there's no other way to put it. He's been a dud. Um, obviously, again, like you said, 26 years old. He's going to be in his prime for the next you know two years, hopefully, um, before he teeters off. I hope the teetering off hasn't started. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, it was a low cost, zero cost. You know, no loss, uh, and only only a high ceiling for that guy. Hopefully he can turn it back around. Um, I obviously our midfield's a bit crowded right now, but if Douglas Luiz ends up ends up leading the squad, we'll definitely need Tillemans to step it up, you know, a bit there.
2: I think that's to your point, been kind of the story of his career as well. Just like a lot of un, unfulfilled potential and then obviously a lot of injuries as well. Um, just curious. I don't know if you know too much about him, but somebody that I thought when you were talking about kind of needing that 10, uh, was somebody that played with Musa Diaby at at Leverkusen, which is Florian Wertz. I think he's like 20 or 21 years old. I think you know obviously it depends on on how everything works out. It looks like they're gonna have Champions League football as well, but he might be a really good option for you guys uh in the summer and, and also kind of keep in line with, with the young core that they're starting to build over there.
1: If we could get Florian Verse on the squad, that's a dream transfer. That guy has more potential than anybody at this point aside from Musial, I would say. Um and obviously you know has has history with uh with the obby. I don't foresee him leaving Germany. I, you know, I, if that guy's not on Bayern in the next two years, I, I, yeah. you know, I, I, that line's minus ten thousand. He's going to Bayern at some point in the next, <laughs> next couple of years. So, you know, That's you want to lock, of the lock week. it. You want to lock it the yeah. week. It's it's yeah. Florian versus Bayern. But uh, no, if we could get a player like that, um, he can also play off the wing a little bit. Uh, I mean, he's been a, a phenomenal player for Chabi Alonso and, and the Leverkusen guys. So if we could, if he could follow Diaby, I mean, I'll pay, I'll pay whatever we need. And take take the whole take, <laughs> yeah. take everything. Well, we'd love to have him on the squad. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's popping up everywhere that you see. Player of the month,
0: I think twice for the Bundesliga now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is an exceptional player, like you said, Sean. Super young. Now, Sean, super hot start to the season, super great year, right? Calendar year for you guys. The second half of the season. I don't know if you agreed or disagreed with my halfway hopes and horror report card. But the second half of the season, I projected that it would be a tougher run-in for you guys. You have some serious, tough away games. I'm going to rattle off a few of them. You tell me if you're shaking in your boots or not. We'll talk about it at the end at the look-ahead. You got Everton coming up at Goodison Park. You go away to Chelsea again. You come home for Newcastle. right? You never know what what's going to come out of that bag. We can skip over Sheffield. I think we probably skip over home for Manchester United for you. Fulham has been looking really good. That's a way for you. Going into the next set of fixtures, Luton Town home uh, or away for you, technically. West Ham away for you. Man City away from you. Arsenal away. And you end in Brighton away. To me, you got a lot of the tough ones out of the way at home in the first half of the season. What do you feel going into the second half of the season?
1: No bias in this at all. No bias. Um, no, I feel good. I feel good for the next couple of fixtures. I feel great for Everton, even though we're at Goodison. Chelsea's an a absolute garbage fire, so I'm not worried about that. <laughs> um, you know, going to the cottage is always a little scary. That's a scary trip. Um, so not not terribly excited for Fulham. Um, they can always pull one out of, out of the bag there. Uh, but when you talk about City away, you talk about Gunners away, you talk about Brighton away. I mean, that's that's what champions are made for. That's what you pay yeah. the big bucks for. That's the situations you want to be in. That's where your true colors come out. Am I going to sit here and guarantee three wins away like that? We're not, you know, nine points to the table. Absolutely fucking not. Cannot sit here. Crazy guy. Put me in a psych ward if I say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I will say is that if we do pull some points out of there, if we get one at, at the Etihad, if we get one, you know, at the Emirates, if we can come out with a win at Bright. I think that puts us in a really great position. Obviously that's, you know, that's the round out of the season, but I think if that's the, if that's the turnout there, I feel great about the games prior. Um, And so, you know, Newcastle, I think we're going to, I think we're going to crush them. They look horrible as of late. They just look all out of revenge game. They look all out of sorts. Revenge game. Unai loves his revenge. The vampire loves it. He's, you know, he's not just going to, he's not just going to sit down and let Newcastle run, run again on us. And so, uh, if we just play the games if we can play the the style of ball into the level that we can play the first half of the season leading up into that that road stretch i think we'll be in a great spot and we just got to keep our heads and and at least you know scratch out a couple points in, in
0: each yep. game you are one of the only teams without a single home loss of the season the only other team with that is liverpool and manchester city and then away is where it gets tricky which is why i brought it up to you. right mm-hmm. now you guys got 10 games played away only four wins from that and the big number there is four losses. So I think that's going to be a huge key factor for you guys on this last little little strut or this run in. It's a long run in at this point, but we'll see what so we come we'll down run. to last nine games. We'll see. Sean, what you got?
2: Yeah, I, I think you just hit it on the head there. That That's what I was going to bring up. But if you look at what they've done across the space of this season, Villa only has three draws, which is really what separates them from um, Arsenal and, and City below them, and they have 13 wins. Um, so it just really, like you said, logan like finding ways to get you know a point on the road is going to be crucial um particularly like you said i think they're seventh or eighth in terms of a wave form across the space of the season so that's going to have to improve but um certainly they're playing with a lot of confidence right now i think uh it's definitely a dangerous team and then for, you know from, from a, a home perspective i would say other than obviously gunners without Mo Salah, the toughest game on liverpool schedule is going to villa park at the end of the year so um yeah that that uh, I think also has to be mentioned as as one of the things that you know Emory really deserves a lot of credit for is getting the fans back on side and that's become an absolute fortress to
1: to, to go visit. 100. It's real. It's real cozy at Villa Park these days. So uh, <laughs> no, no, no. any any game that we get at home is is a good one for us. And uh, again, we just got to be some, we got to be road warriors. We haven't been as of yet, but if we can um, if we can adjust there and 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 pull out some points, that's all you can ask for. Well, speaking of adjustment we've been uh we had a a lot of
0: prep before this one so i think we need to take a second to adjust ourselves for the next set of uh our look ahead so we're going to take a quick little break and we'll come back for segment number three which as always is going to tell you what to look forward to this weekend so after this short brief message from our electronic disco partners we'll be right back
2: so it feels like it's been a long time but we are back for the Premier League it is a very strange week it's a split week which means half the teams are in action this weekend and off next and then vice versa so we have five games this weekend we highlighted three of them obviously the first one well not obvious is the battle at the bottom it's Luton Town visiting Turf Moor taking on Burnley Um, Logan I'm sure you have a lot of negative thoughts on Burnley, considering they're the best Clarence Blue team in, in England, obviously. <laughs> Jeez. Hit it where it hurts, huh? <laughs> but, no, I mean, this game This game is important, especially for, for the Hatters, who have really picked it up of late. A win for them would be take them out of the relegation zone for the first time this season, which is huge, and put them just one point off Brentford in 16th. We talked about how bees are dying, dying at an alarming rate, and uh, <laughs> it's definitely turning up the heat on them, for sure, but um, one thing to notice that one of the three victories for Burnley all year was against Luton Town at Kenilworth Road. Definitely one to watch. That's Friday at 2:45, so I guess not many people will be watching it because uh, we have to work like bums. But um, yeah, definitely want to keep an eye on. It. And then obviously we got to throw it over to our boy Logan here, Everton Aston Villa at Goodison Park. We know how tough it is to go into to Goodison and get three points, but tell me about your feelings going into this game.
1: I feel great. I really do. I, uh, Goodison doesn't scare me. Everton, I, you know, they've been as much as, as much as they've been, uh, they've been pulled back by the, uh, the deduction there. I mean, they've been playing out of their minds for most of the season. Um, definitely above expectations would have been in 12th, like we were saying before, if they hadn't got that deduction, which is exactly where Villa was two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But no, this is going to be a blowout. I'm expecting at least three on the Villa side. I don't wow. think that I don't think Everton puts any away. I think that I think Calvert-Lewin's a fraud. Um, <laughs> and uh, whoa! And we'll we'll have three points coming away from uh, from Liverpool on Sunday. To
2: be to be fair, something that I just noticed doing a little bit of research for this game: the last five Premier League games between Everton and Aston Villa, it's an aggregate score of twelve to one for Villa, five consecutive wow. victories. Looking wow. for the first time ever between these two teams to, to go to six consecutive victories. Um, and and if you think about it from a historical perspective, um, obviously you have your Manchester United, your Liverpools, your Arsenals, but that next tier of terms of you know sustained success since you know the 1960s, 70s, 80s, it's Villa and Everton kind of duking it out for that next spot. So of course. Uh, definitely want to keep an eye on, should mention obviously, that Everton did knock Villa out of the Carabao Cup earlier this year and I know you said you don't care about it but Unai Emery does cuz you played a pretty strong lineup in that game.
1: It was a it was a tough loss but again I think uh like I said about the Conference League I I'm happy that we're out. You know, I it, the more distractions that we have and the more the opportunities that we have to pick up the injury bug is is just a, you know, a drag on the season. I think uh you know, this season especially for a lot of teams, you know, injuries have been an absolute plague. Um and so, for us to uh, to get away with less games is is an opportunity for us to focus more on the on the league. So I'm happy there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why
0: that's why we gave Liverpool the win in the
1: FA Cup over the weekend. Well, of we, we knew yeah. what we were doing. We
0: knew
2: what sure. we were doing. Sure. I'll we'll go with that. Speaking of teams <laughs> that have been uh, been plagued by injuries, I think both teams in this in this matchup have certainly been bitten with the injury bug. Manchester United versus Tottenham at Old Trafford, two uh, nothing victory to Spurs. The last time these teams met, but. To the point that we just discussed, five starters on each team will be missing this matchup. Uh, you got Son, Basuma, and Popsar going away to Afcon and Asia Cup, respectively. You also have Van Devin and Romero both out via injury, and then Casemiro, Mason Mount, Luke Shaw, Lissandra Martinez, and Rafa Varane all out for Manchester United. Um, James, give me give me your kind of your pulse on this game. How you how you think this one's going to go at at OT? Yeah, I mean. It's tough. I went back and forth because this
0: is my lock of the week. I decided to make it one of the most difficult ones. If I heard what Logan said before the podcast, I'd throw my house on Aston Villa over Everton with that confidence walking in here. As
1: you still should. But to be
0: honest with you, as I still should, I might hedge my my poor and unfortunate bet on this one with Villa. But this is going to be tough. This is the first game with Sir Radcliffe in the stands for Manchester United we have Jordan Sancho gone right he's now over at Dortmund that whole whatever you want to call it is out of the realm last time this happened was ronaldo left and manchester united decided to take off so i think for me the biggest thing is that spurs as good as they are away and they're ranked third in away game wins this season they're phenomenal away it's with their squad that they've been doing with everyone except for maybe Richie, who's gone through some injuries and is coming into recent form, even though Kyle doesn't agree with us. He's been in some form. But it's a massive weight to have on his shoulders him and Kulusevski without all the people that you just listed. I mean, you don't have you don't have Sun, Basuma, Papsara, Vandervin, Romeo. You're asking a lot from probably Timo Werner to come in and have his first cameo back in the English Premier League. A lot of jitters there. Didn't do so hot, obviously, last time he was here. So I went back and forth. I originally had Manchester United as as my winner. Then I switched and said, nah, let's go Spurs because they're third. They're really doing really hot right now. Pasta ball or Ange ball is, is killing it. And then I went back to Manchester United. So my lock of the week this week is Man United draw no bet over Spurs and that's minus 155 for some reason I feel like 1-1 is going to be a great scoreline for this game Manchester United we highlighted over the halfway hopes and horrors they have less goals in the entire calendar year than Cristiano Ronaldo so they're not firing all cylinders there Um, but I do think Bruno is coming to form he just scored relatively lame penalty kick during the the midweek there But I think we see a goal from Bruno, and I think we start to see a little bit of an upward climb for Manchester United coming out of a slump in the first half of the season. So to me, you know, I think it's Manchester United. They haven't lost to Spurs at home and away in the same league, the same season since 1989, 1990. So I think it's time to go. I think it's time for Manchester United to make or break this season. Honestly, I think this is a bigger game from Spurs. In the form of that you must win because they're so close to that top position right now and it and, and it kind of is going to create a bit of separation if you don't get it, but I think Manchester United is going to pull one out of your
1: boys you know i have to i have to say, I have not heard less conviction in a lock of the week in my entire life. <laughs> I will still tell you, but I think i heard i think I heard a little a little recommendation to sprinkle a, a couple dollars on a one one final score did i did I not yeah
0: final yeah, final score you know it. They, they have great odds out there. It's a tough one to get, but I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game because Sun is gone, so it takes away a large factor of chances created out of their number one guy for Spurs. It's a lot to ask for their team that is still there, and I think I think Manchester United at home, you know, you don't know what to get. You know, it's going to be a crapshoot, but I think it's going to be enough where it. it's a big game. They seem to play up to their competition. You, you had them play kind of strangely against Liverpool. If they can pull a zero, zero tie against Liverpool at, at the Anfield, they can fucking do this at home. But, um, you know, crazier things have been said. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. History is definitely on your side. When you look at it, uh, like you mentioned 18 or sorry, 1989, 90 was the last time Tottenham beat Spurs home and away. As, as Sir Alex once famously said, lads, it's Tottenham. So <laughs> we shall see. That's definitely an interesting one to watch. Logan, I appreciate you coming on. Do you have any more hot takes to singe my eyebrows off? I feel like you really took Calvert-Lewin out behind the bar and just <laughs> hit him with a couple of low blows. So
1: anything else before we let you go? No, guys, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, you know, Happy to, uh, to represent the villains uh, from over here across the pond. And uh, hopefully I'll be back at the end of the season reminiscing on a, on a full championship winning, uh, title winning uh, season for you guys. So,
2: Well, listen, if the, if they do pull it out and they find a way to win, which I'm going to just say I don't think it's going to happen. not trying to hate, I think, uh, to your point from before, I think it's still City's league to win. Um, but if they do, we'll certainly have you back on and uh, you, you can gloat all you want in, in James and I's faces. Looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, absolutely
0: absolutely looking forward to it endless car bombs at mulligan's (laughs) (laughs) well sean i couldn't have said it better i think it's a perfect way to sign off right there listen if you haven't followed us on instagram twitter or given us that subscribe on on spotify apple music please do so i know logan's popularity is going to put us through the roof here so again from everyone here we appreciate your time comments and and contribution so epl state of mind sign off for another week